Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. You've probably heard people use a term like a vicious cycle or a vicious circle, referring to a really a chain of events where something bad happens and then it leads to something else bad, which then kind of leads back to something else bad and it just becomes this, well, vicious cycle. Did you know that there's an opposite term for that? They call it a virtuous cycle where something good kind of leads to something else good. And I want us to consider maybe one of the ultimate examples of that today at really a circle or a cycle of faithfulness. And I want us to see that as we open up to Psalm 31 and we wrap up this Psalm today with verses 19 through 24. And we've seen in Psalm 31, David often pleading for help, but also just saying great statements of confidence in God, who he refers to as his refuge and a strong fortress. What we saw yesterday, he says in verse 14, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. While at the same time, he is asking for help as he says, rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. So he's trusting in God, but he seems to be in some very serious situations and some troubling times. Well, today, starting in verse 19, he says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. And I think you could sum up what is this for saying? Well, one thing that it's praising about God is his faithfulness. He is good to those who fear him. He is a refuge to those who trust in him. And he is a faithful God. And that is where this cycle begins. That's one thing we need to be clear. Even as we think about something circular or cyclical, this has a clear starting point. It does not start with us. It starts with God. He is not just good. He is abundantly good in this passage is how he is described. And that's how he is in reality. And so David is taking comfort in that. And even in the last couple of verses, he gives an exhortation based on that. In verse 23, he says, love the Lord, all you, his saints, the Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repay, repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. So there, I love that phrase, the Lord preserves the faithful. And now we're seeing maybe somewhat of the cycle where it starts with the faithfulness of God. And as we learn to trust the faithfulness of God and believe even in difficult situations that he is full of abundant goodness and we run to him and we stay away from temptation and no matter what's going on, we continue to pursue God, we will see God again be faithful. So God's faithfulness leads to us having faith in him, and that faithfulness then breeds kind of more blessing and faithfulness from God. And so it becomes kind of this self-reinforcing cycle that we should be seeking in our own Christian lives. 
First and foremost, we look to God to be faithful. That strengthens our own faith. And then as trials come and we are trusting God and obeying him, God blesses that. I think that's something we see in scripture and something we'll see somewhere else today. And that should lead us to have kind of a mindset of confidence. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And no matter what's going on in your life today, I hope that's an encouragement for you to wait on the Lord. And again, it's a helpful uh, check. It's a helpful reminder to all of us that when trials come, the most important thing we should be focusing on is not our circumstances. Really, the thing we should be focusing on is God, his faithfulness, and letting that inspire us to be faithful in the trial to him. And no matter what's going on, to trust and to obey. I think we even saw that earlier in this psalm when he is asking God to guide him for his name's sake. And that is why he is uh, seeking him. And back in verse three, it says, for you are my rock and my fortress and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. So whatever you're going through today, maybe you're weary. Uh, maybe something has popped up that you were not expecting and it's got you anxious or concerned. Well, follow the example of David here. First and foremost, look to God. He is the refuge. He is the fortress. He is the one that is full of abundant goodness that he has stored up for those who fear him. Focus on him. And then in whatever trial you're going through, make your main goal this, God, I want to seek your face and I want to please you. Don't get caught up in your circumstances. Don't be swayed by any temptation or pressure, but keep your focus on God. Watch him be faithful. And hopefully you'll see that circle of faithfulness reinforcing itself in your life. As you look to God's faithfulness, it strengthens your own faith, which then leads to blessing from God. As it says here, he he does love to bless those who wait for him. He preserves the faithful. So may God find us faithful as we look to him, even in times of trial. And this principle really of God blessing obedience, we see really super enforced in Leviticus 26 and 27, and very specifically in chapter 26. You see the first 13 verses in the English Standard Version have this heading, blessings for obedience, while the rest of the chapter is uh, under the heading punishments for disobedience. And you see there, God basically saying, hey, when you get into the land, if you trust me, if you follow me, I will take care of you. And then the rest of the chapter, if you do not, then you will be punished. And even some of the punishments that we see, it's really exactly what ends up happening to the nation of Israel as they go into exile. So kind of a haunting passage as we see some of these things in action in Leviticus 26. But what I want us to see here is this principle of blessings for obedience. And it's easy to exaggerate these, right? We are not uh, the, the nation of Israel going into the promised land. And we don't want to just reduce our relationship with God to just this, you know, tit for tat. I do a good thing. God gives me a gold sticker. I do a bad thing. God gives me a slap on the hand. No, that's kind of an oversimplification of this text. But I do think we see these themes continue to be true, that when we trust God and obey him, God blesses obedience, while disobedience will be 
punished. And we know obviously in the world, God is going to judge sin. And even for believers, God will discipline those that he loves to correct them and get them back on the right path. And so again, may that be a good reminder to us that when trials come, what should we focus on? God, I want to obey you. That's the most important thing because that is often the test that Israel faced. Something bad would happen and it turned out who were they going to trust in? Were they going to trust in God? Were they going to trust in idols? And we're going to face similar tests to that. And so I pray that we would live kind of in this circle of faithfulness, looking to God. Again, it all starts with him. It cannot start just with us trying to muster up faithfulness within ourselves. That's not going to work. But when we look to God and his perfect faithfulness, his abundant steadfast love, and we trust in him as our rock and our fortress, that will strengthen our faith, that will lead to obedience, and God will bless that. And if you find yourself, well, I'm not that's not the cycle I've been on. That's where it's good news that God is full of steadfast love and he is full of forgiveness and compassion and mercy. So turn from that cycle of uh, really destruction or disobedience that you are in and put your trust in God. Look to him for forgiveness ultimately through Jesus Christ. Let's turn on to Matthew now, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And here we see really, I think just one of the most powerful and vivid Uh, parables in all of the gospels. He's talked about what to do when your brother sins against you. And now comes up the topic of forgiveness. And Jesus tells this story to illustrate how forgiveness should look for a Christian. And it starts with this man who owes this incredible debt. And if you look at various commentaries, it's you know, there's various interpretations when they try to take, um, you know, this amount of money in the time of Christ and put it into um, put it into today's terms. But let's just say he owes someone millions and millions of dollars, right? Uh, just an amount of money that to the average person, it is insurmountable. I'm never even going to sniff that much money. There's no way I can repay it. But this man is forgiven. He is completely forgiven from this master. But then he goes out and he finds someone else who uh, owes him money. And this was a much less amount. Let's say if he owed millions and millions of dollars, this man owes him $10,000. And it seems that from, uh, you know, if you, even if you consider it back in the time of Christ, this was not an insignificant amount of money in and of itself that this man owed to the man who had been forgiven, but it was insignificant compared to the incredible amount that uh, the man had been forgiven by the master. And then obviously he refuses to forgive him. This gets back to the master who then calls this man in and says, why are you not forgiving when I forgave you? And this man ends up being thrown into jail until he can pay his debt. And there's so many great applications of this, but we all need to realize when we are challenged, when we do not want to forgive someone else, we need to realize that sometimes we're not talking about something insignificant. People have really done things that have hurt us, but we need to realize it it is insignificant compared to the debt that we have been forgiven before God. Nothing can compare to the depths of mercy that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. And that should change the way we view offenses uh, of other people towards us. And also that ending, I think is vivid when we refuse to forgive. It's us that ends up in jail, 
right? When we don't forgive someone else, we are usually the ones that suffer. The bitterness that we hold on to usually ends up hurting us more than anybody else. And so let's make sure we learn some of these lessons from this powerful parable that Jesus tells. Finally, Acts chapter 19, verses 21 through 24, we read about um, just a lot of commotion going on in the city of Ephesus in response to people getting saved and putting their faith in Christ. And that's a good reminder for us that I think we'll see throughout the book of Acts Often, I hope you are praying for revival, that we would see a great work of God in our midst and people turning from sin and put their faith in Christ. But one thing I think we all need to realize is that if revival comes, it's going to bring some disruption along with it, right? And that's what we see here in Acts Because so many people were turning from sin, that it was disrupting really this evil industry that supported this pagan temple there in the city of Ephesus. And if we really see people turning in mass from their sins and trusting in Christ, that's going to disrupt a lot of things here. And some people are not going to be very happy about that. And I think along with revival, there will often be difficulty. There will often be trials. There will be opposition. And so we need to prepare ourselves for that. And we need to kind of gird up our minds for that, knowing, hey, if we get this revival that we're praying for, it's probably going to come with a lot of disruption even to our own life. And are we really willing to go through that? Or do we just want it to be some passive thing that we get to sit back and watch? Well, nothing super specific comes of this uh, turmoil here in Acts 20. Eventually, the commotion kind of ceases and the, the, the assembly is dismissed, um, but we see what a commotion was raised up because so many people were turning from sin and putting their faith in Christ. May we see such a revival, even if it brings commotion today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.